The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Welcome back to the 30th Annual Droids Done Quick. We've got uh, Glib Nargle with the Any% percent Protocol Droid Run. Uh, Glib, you're getting pretty close. What's, your, what's going on? Listen, listen, I took a lot of spice before this, so I, I know exactly what I'm doing. No one can build a droid faster than me. No one can build a droid better than me. I'm going to take home the gold tonight. And how do you feel about the droids building droids, like the, the tool-assisted uh, droid builds for this, uh, this, this year? Listen, those entries mean nothing to me. Droid speed building will always be about one thing. That's heart. That's something droids don't have. And we're, we're coming up on the, uh, the time here. I'm almost done. I'm almost ready. Here we go. One last solder here. Done. Time. All right. Let's see how you did. Go ahead. Say some words for the judges. Kill me, please. I know so much pain. <laughs> what can I say? I've done it again. You even got the pain receptors set up just in time for the sentience to regret its own existence. Just a little flourish on the end there. Like, you know, it's an any percent run, but I just like to just get a little extra on top. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And just in time for another donation, we got 20 credits from Jabba the Hutt, and he says, listen to the Dark Times podcast. Huh. So, uh, well, uh, thank, thank you, Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> and now something else from a galaxy far, far away. This is the show, Stephen. We're back. We're, this is the show. We're, We're back. back, baby. Sam. We've been renewed for a second episode. We've been... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, Sam. I'm. Let me. Let me just tell you, and let me just tell Let's everyone. Let's see who we are. First. Oh, yes. Sorry, I'm Stephen. I'm Sam. We're doing uh, Dark Times Sag Edition uh, podcast. Absolutely, um, Sam. We're here again, and let me tell you this last episode and the response we got from it absolutely made my week made my life kind of <laughs> in a way like you know i i had so many um i was on my way out yeah and, <laughs> and uh, this podcast saved my life <laughs> <laughs> well you know no not not quite like that but to be honest like i didn't think this would get a positive response at all or at least not like the way we got i mean the the saga edition community is harsh Maybe not brutal, but you know we we value ourselves as a group of people who who love discussion and criticism, and um, we got criticism. We got criticism, but even more than criticism, that, we got support. Well, so about the criticism, yeah, we got it was a very long. I, I saw one of the replies from oh, Stephen. Oh, yeah, Stephen, the guy of on the subreddit. Yeah, absolutely. I I like his stuff. No, he's from great. what I've seen in other threads that he's replied to. Yeah, it didn't hit me until like a week later that the fact that he got gave us such a critique. Meant that he listened to the whole thing. No, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. That's like that's when I when I saw that and when I saw what other people said, I was like, oh my god, people listened to the whole thing and like cared about it and like thought about it and responded to and it. And it wasn't boring to where they stopped. Exactly. 10 in, like... And people were like, oh yeah, I'll listen to this later. And then like followed up after they did. I was like, like oh my god, this is so cool. I didn't think that there was like room or even demand for a Saga Edition podcast. And it, it honestly, you know, I got to shout out to everyone on the subreddit and everywhere else, you know, just thank you guys. Like, thank you, Sam, for, for kicking this whole thing <laughs> off. And I'm just, thanks to the community. I'm so happy that, that we, heard, we received so much encouragement from you guys. Like, 
go on. Can't wait for the next episode. Like you guys have great chemistry. All those things really touched me in, in such a special way. So really just thanks to everyone. Well, um, this goes back to, it reminds me of, did you ever see those videos I made on YouTube? About Saga Edition. Oh, you know, I think I watched the first one you made. I made like two. I, yeah. And I recorded a third one, but I didn't edit it. Yeah. It was just a lot. And it's so funny. Um, The first comment I got on those was, uh, I will watch your career with great interest. I remember and that. <laughs> I, I remember like, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that means a lot to me. And then it struck me. I was a quote. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a prequel meme. It was it's like, prequel you know, meme. one of the best ones. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm sure, you know, whoever said that meant it with sincerity. Absolutely. You know, and people don't just say that shit. <laughs> no, people just, just repeat things yeah. they've heard online. That's funny. What do you mean? That's, what do you mean? <laughs> But no, even then, you know, I was worried because, you know, I'm I'm pretty sarcastic and that doesn't always come across through <laughs> a microphone that's connected to the internet. So like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I thought people would think I'm some kind of ass. And, well, they do. Well, they, <laughs> and they do. And they do. But that's fine. You know, I'm comfortable. I don't know. I, I was, I'm rarely myself and I was very much myself on the last episode we recorded and yeah. people responded well. And that just feels good. Maybe we should talk about the system <laughs> or did you have something else um, to say? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I wanted to talk. Well, l- listen, I was happy to talk about the response and it's a real much just a thank you. Yes. To everyone who's listening and everyone who wants to keep listening and let's, um, let's dive back in. Yeah. Take me back. Steven, I'm, I'm writing your coattails back into the system that is star Wars saga edition. Oh yeah. I was looking at the lightsaber combat talent tree. It's a good one. And I realized something. What if you you're used to other playing other systems, you know, we've in Swissy we've got full actions, standard actions, move actions, free actions, and reactions. Yeah. Now, I totally forgot that you can take multiple reactions in a round. Yeah. In Swissy. Can you? Yes. I, so you can only react once per trigger. But there's but no do... limit on the number of reactions you take. That's right. I'm so Pathfinder pilled. Exactly. I forgot about Pathfinder that. Pathfinder pilled. <laughs> But so I was looking at because I was looking at block and then going into repost. Yes. And it was like block as a reaction. Then it was yep. post repost as a reaction to your block. Yeah. And I was like, how do I take two reactions in a round? You just can't. You just can't. <laughs> um, you we had the topic of things that we like about Swissy mm-hmm. um, last week, and I kind of blanked because like I haven't thought about Swissy very seriously at, at, out loud in very yeah. very long, and you know that that must be one of them. Uh, the, just the the absolute freedom laissez-faire approach to reactions because it makes sense in star wars with Absolutely. how fast these fucking characters can move and it's something that you don't expect of other systems yeah um because you know D and pathfinder they all have one reaction per round of course or one attack opportunity per round mm-hmm. and however sag edition does a good way to limit that combat reflexes yes which i very much enjoy because I've done a few builds that involve combat reflexes, oh, yeah. and it's it's great, you know, getting, especially if you're doing a dex-based soldier build or anything like that, yeah. gives you a max, of potentially, if you're doing point by, plus five to your dex means you get five attacks of opportunity per round. Which, you know, I think you'd be hard-pressed to actually do that. <laughs> you know, I could think of maybe a couple scenarios where that might occur. Maybe if you're like, I don't know, wade into a group of stormtroopers and then just start smacking guys. But that pairs really nicely with another um, feat I enjoy. Or t- I think it's a talent, actually. Mm. It's uh, shoot, shoot back or something like that. It's uh, return fire. Return That's fire. That's what it is. Yeah. Return fire is great. Because if someone misses you and you don't have, um, I think you don't have to, you can't have cover also. But if you get missed, you can shoot back as an attack of opportunity. Yep, yep. And you, you can uh... do it. If you have, ma- if you have um, 
combat reflexes, you can do it a number of times per combat equal to your dex bonus. Is that true? I believe so. It's a special. Oh thing yeah, it's yeah. a combined feat with combat reflexes. It's sure so enough. cool. Wow, I don't think if I don't think I knew about that synergy. That's really cool. Ah, legacy era campaign guide. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> the legacy era um, definitely adds some things. It's kind of controversial. Yeah, I've I've I know probably less controversial these days because you know Swissy's been out for more than de- a yeah. decade, and everyone's opinion on things is kind of solidified. But I was listening to a couple interviews from back when it first came out. You know, a few months ago, and um. Yeah, people were torn. People were like, oh my god, it's the Power Creep book. And um, <laughs> there's some very prominent people in the community who hate it when I say that, that outright disagree with me. And, you know, they could be right. I haven't done a, as close of analysis as some of these other people. And I think in our in your last campaign, you were like, no, Yuzon Vong. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, that's like, Yuzon Vong, that's one. I don't even think I could tell a story that involved the Yuzon Vong. It's just, it's... There, there's something else. They're very cool. Don't it's get me a wrong. Lot. There's just a lot. You know that would I wouldn't feel comfortable introducing them unless I like read, you know, the, the Yuzon, books that they're featured in. The Yuzon Vong feels like a Metroid like side quest. Yeah, path. I, I like <laughs> some weird like Metroid lore. The Yuzon Vong like are, are you know are controversial on their own too. Um, and you know I I happen to think they're they're neat. They're definitely like peak like '90s cheese, and I think that that's a good thing. I happen to be a fan of, of shit like that. But yeah. I think, I think that might also be their greatest shortcoming is that they're kind of, I mean, the whole like separate from the force thing, the whole like immune to the force or whatever is like cool. It's creative, I guess. I don't know if I like that in star Wars. You well, know? so just there, my opinion. At there least. are things that we've, that we've seen. Well, Maybe I've seen you use mm-hmm. that are make you immune to the force. There's that little creature. Yeah, the Yosemari. The Yosemari. I think like, that's how it's pronounced. I, yeah, I believe so. They're like a little, like a little um. I love salamander guys. guy yeah, that they're... makes an anti-force bubble. They're super cute. <laughs> I love them. They're little yellow guys. Um, I my first introduction to them, I think they first appeared in the Thrawn trilogy, but I first learned about them through the uh, the Jedi Knight and Jedi Academy games, um, where I think they're a power up, where you like you pick one up. And you get this like piss yellow bubble around <laughs> you, and you become immune to force powers. Um, I'm not sure if you can still use force powers when you're in the piss bubble, but yeah, no, it's it was always funny because like the power up was just this little rotating salamander guy. Well, um, so the way you used it, it was a um, an imperial like officer. Yeah, had one like tucked into his little yeah yeah <laughs> yeah pocket with the coat cylinders. And we had yeah we had two Miraluka players who like you know relied on the force to see, and they just see this big black spot. Where this guy is supposed to be. They just see nothing. And it was an incredible, we'll have to talk about that session sometime. Because yeah. it was very, we got into the intricacies of like, how, of Starship scale. <laughs> which is probably one of uh, my less less than proud aha player moments. That we were like, um, actually, uh, <laughs> what was it? An Imperial shuttle with the wings out would be bigger than the circle. Oh, So uh, we can yeah. see it. And I, uh, we can use the force on it. <laughs> I, I do remember that. I, 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 I think ultimately you were right there, but I was like, okay, come on. Well, like, sure. the system doesn't account for that. No, and that's, you know, obviously. that's that's the beauty of, of Saga Edition. Things are very much left open to the players and the game masters to figure out, which is why I think the system, you know, is uh, encourages so much discussion. Because, fuck, like, the best way to do things is up to us to find out. You know, Watsi didn't really fill in the blanks, so to speak. And that was just kind of the way things were done. I also think, mm-hmm. you know, 
especially his overall development cycle had a lot to play with it, where it was just Ronnie Thompson was the only guy on the payroll for developing this game, and he just had a whole network of freelancers. So, you know, I think I think he, maybe to stay sane, he had to leave a lot of stuff for us to figure out. But I think that definitely worked out in some benefit oh yeah creatively you no. got a lot of different creatives working on the system of course and you know it, it's it i think it really leans itself or lends itself rather to um just the whole sandbox approach um that you know i think star wars really does well with you know i think you know just giving i this is gonna this is gonna sound kind of douchey but i've i've <laughs> for that uh power through it yeah for that starfighter campaign i've been thinking of, of coming up with what i like to call and bear with me the toy box approach where I don't know how much different this is from like a true sandbox, but you know, I want to give you guys like resources, you know, ships, Mm -hmm. uh, munitions, things like that to then go fuck around in the sandbox with, you know, you got your toys in the toy box. We are, I think I like that because it really puts in perspective how the players are a part of this, of this movement. Yeah. They have resources like a military. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, because the alternative is you've got your group of five scoundrels who steal a ship, yeah. and then they steal another ship later, but they're like more <laughs> than the first ship. And that's, I mean, that's a hell of a campaign in Which itself, is, well, too. That's great, but also, as a DM, like, just give them a good ship. <laughs> like, the Millennium Falcon is a freighter, and it's a good freighter. Yeah. It's got smuggling compartments, everything like that. It's got two gunner spots. It's a good ship for a party. And the ghost is similar in that sense. Also, I like the ghost because it has that split off little, the, the phantom. It's yeah. Little, the the phantom, tiny one. The little bit. And I like that. And the little bit that kind of shoots off there and goes off and does its own little mission. No, you're, you're so right. This is actually something I, I thought I wanted to bring up maybe eventually. And I think now is as good a time as any, um, getting your players a ship is such a fascinating topic. And it's one of those things in the system where I think the more you think about it, the more you realize just the, the crazy number of possibilities. Um, there's a great segment on this, I think, either in the core rulebook or Starships of the Galaxy, um, just talking about the many ways players can go about acquiring a ship. You know, it gives an example of, you know, maybe they're in debt to a loan shark. Maybe they outright steal it. You know, maybe they, and it's maybe a little more boring, um, legitimately acquire the funds and make a purchase on <laughs> and the... And get the license. Yeah, and get the license, which, you know, the, the system has, you know, subsystems for all sorts of bureaucratic fun like that. But um, if that's your, if you know, if that's your, if that's your campaign, if that's your, if that's how you, I happen to like the rolling for licenses and, and acquisitions that's and cool. things like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. I can definitely see that more so in like an old Republic. Yeah. Setting. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe like, so you know, much. you're, maybe the party is centered on like being bodyguards for the Senator and things have to go. be done like a bit that. more legitimately. And the noble party members of Senator. Exactly. Oh, I like that's that a, a great lot, premise, actually. right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that, and that's what I'm talking about. You know, how you coax your players into getting a ship is defining a huge part of the campaign. And as like, I've already said like twice now, I think that's so cool. And I think game masters should think very carefully about how exactly they want to do it. Cause it's going to set a pretty big tone for the rest of the adventure. And also alternatively, you don't need a ship. No, you don't. You can no. have a whole campaign take place on one planet. That's what I've also been thinking about too, is, you know, I think, Oh man, there was like, ah, this is way back on the saga edition subreddit. I think it goes back to like 2018 or something. Someone was, do, wanted to do like a heavily Wild West inspired adventure on some sort of backwater planet that for some reason or another doesn't have a lot of ships on it, doesn't have a lot of ships visiting it, is largely isolated from the rest of the galaxy at large and is centered on this like very low tech kind of intense, very crusty, dirty, dusty story. 
on one planet in like the deep outer rim. And who doesn't want to like try that? Like that is so cool. Listen, the Mandalorian has several episodes that basically all take place on Tatooine. Yeah. You could have, they could have written in a whole season of the Mandalorian that takes place exclusively on Tatooine. And would that not have been sick? I think it would have been. That would have been really cool. Yeah. And you know, the episodes that we did have that did take place on Tatooine are incredible episodes, you know, teaming up with, Tusken Raiders to kill a crate dragon? That isn't something I'd ever like, I didn't think I'd ever see in like a live action Star Wars property. I was like, oh yeah, you know, something as cool as teaming up with Tusken Raiders to fight a crate dragon. That's only going to happen at the Swissy table. That's only going to happen in, you know, comic books. However, you did do it first. So let's get, <laughs> let's get by, that on the... <laughs> by like what, six months? <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> and it, oh, however, it wasn't that kind of crate dragon. It was the like the more traditional crate dragon, right? I think so. I, I seem to recall the Mandalorian one being pretty faithful to like the previous portrayals of crate dragons. There's quite a bit of variance in like crate dragons overall. Well, so there's like two there's like two types. Yeah. There's the the one that we saw on the Mandalorian, which is more like a sandworm kind of thing. Yeah. And the other one is more like a traditional like like flightless, four legs, yeah, four leg dragon. Yeah. And you used that in your campaign. It was great. Yeah. We had a, such a fun time. So yes, feel free to you know. Getting a ship can be the end goal of a campaign. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be the beginning. No. I think you could do a whole, you know, like the beginning, you know, hate to bring up Solo, but <laughs> like the beginning of Solo. I knew you were going to bring up Solo. <laughs> <laughs> um, the beginning of Solo, pretty much the first half of that, well, not the first, I mean the first 10 minutes of the movie, yeah. is about getting off uh, the planet. <laughs> not <Yeah>. getting off. <laughs> well, it's about Han getting off, but that's separate. <laughs> that's a separate subplot. Um, but yeah, like you could do a whole thing about getting off the planet, stealing a ship or acquiring a ship legally or working your way up through the ranks of some underground criminal thing to get yourself a ship and get off the planet and go to somewhere that's going to be nicer to be. <laughs> I've always wanted to do a campaign start that was like, and this is like kind of dark and something I shied away from after like the pandemic and lockdown because it's just a little too evocative mm. of what we're going through now. But um, it was, it, the start was in like an Imperial like prison camp, like, like a concentration camp basically. And you know, the, the whole first little leg of the campaign would be like surviving in this camp and then ultimately trying to break away and, you know, stealing a ship or any kind of vehicle. Imagine like escaping with your freedom in like an ATST crowded with all your friends, like running through the swamp or whatever. I do like, and I, and I like those scenes in Rogue One. There's a scene where they break out Jin from the, from yeah. the Imperial camp. Yeah. And there's other scenes. Mandalorian again has a scene with a, well, a new Republic camp but oh, it's yeah. still an imperial camp yeah. like it's run the same alphabet squadron dips into that a little bit yes too. they do yeah. and I, I do like that a lot and especially in alphabet squadron where they talk about the conditions of those things even under you know the, the new, new republic, republic yeah, and stuff absolutely. like that and it's it's definitely something that could be explored more in the media of yeah. star wars and i think it's a very good uh a good blooming place for your campaign to start you know a group of, of imperial defectors in a New Republic camp, feel like they're being mistreated and decide to break out. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. And maybe they team up with some sort of gray Jedi character who was imprisoned for being a Sith worshiper or something like that. Totally. And it's, you know, that's a cool campaign right there. No, you're right. The, um, that, that little era immediately after Return of the Jedi, like the Mandalorians in the Alphabet Squadron is kind of in very, very ripe for, for a campaign, I think. Always has been one of my favorite um, eras of Star Wars, even in Legends. Just... After Dark Times, obviously. yeah, of course. <laughs> we love we love Dark Times clearly, but you know the um, the the like post like Death Star two destruction is awesome, and you know you've read Alphabet Squadron. Many people have not, 
you know, the, the new Republic is, is guilty of, of many atrocities that, that the empire is. And a lot of characters who signed up as rebels, but then have to transition into this new like provincial government, you know, they have a lot of questions for themselves about like, well, you know, where do I stand in all this? You know, I dedicated my life against tyranny. And now in some aspects, the new Republic is committing, you know, tyrannical acts, you know, where does my loyalty lie? You know, am I a rebel anymore? Or like I joined to free my planet. The empire has gone. Why isn't my planet free? Exactly. Like, that, like, ah, God, I love Alpha Squadron. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> and you know, that era, I think a lot of people can connect with the, the questions that come up in, in that kind of big power shift in the star Wars galaxy. You know, the, the end of the empire, you know, it's, it's dancing Ewoks and fireworks. Yeah. But then what after, you know, it's, it's fascinating. You know, what, what, how can a bunch of insurgents create a government, you know, can a bunch of untrained insurgents create a government? Of course, the rebel Alliance is more than just, you know, scrappy insurgents, but it's like, it's mostly scrappy insurgents. It's yeah. Like and then there's Mon just... Mothma and her pyromaniac friends, <laughs> the spare, <laughs> the spare Senator too. And... Yeah. And it, it really puts you in perspective of how little of the empire, how little of the galaxy was really, on their side yeah for the rebellion yeah and i'm sure they were just like we'll just be lie down and be dogs for the imperials exactly because that was that was the choice you had to make to survive yeah it's like i don't want my planet to suffer because of my choices Mm -hmm. stuff like that and and i think you know that reminds me of this in the clone wars where they do that whole saw guerrero's first Oh, yeah. Like, the first episode where they actually bring in, like, chronologically where Saw Gerrera comes in yeah. is great. And can Obi-Wan teach him to overthrow a government? Yeah, no, that, <laughs> I remember that, 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 that arc was a little heavy-handed. Um, I remember, I recently watched it, actually, because I'm, I'm catching up with Clone Wars. Um, and, <laughs> it, like, the dialogue with Saw and his sister was, was a little weird. And, and just the overall, like, I think scenario was just, just, ow, like a little too realistic for my star Wars, you know, like training insurgents to overthrow an oppressive government without the Republic, like technically being involved at all, yeah. but like still totally like being flagging, involved. Like... Yeah. Like some serious, like Korean war shit. Yeah, like I was, was like, it's wild. Oh man. Like, ow. And I liked how you saw, you know, you had the Jedi there and you also mm-hmm. Rex was there. Yeah. And you got to see a clone kind of be like, <laughs> Why don't they? Why doesn't the Republic just come in and help? And yeah. they're like, "Well, we can't because mm-hmm. of things." And I, it's so funny seeing that because I just watched, I just rewatched Rogue One last night. Yeah, it's so funny seeing Saw Gerrera as like this guy, a kid with a dream, wants to be a part of something. You know, wants his planet to be free, and then seeing him turn into this crotchety cyborg man, broken old man, absolutely crazy. Yeah, like yeah, like crazy, like super crazy, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just like. It's sad, and I kind of wish we got more parallels between Anakin and Saw Gerrera. I think think there is a parallel there that exists, though. I mean, they're both crazy, cybernetically enhanced old men. I guess so, yeah. They're both scarred and tragic, really. I mean, it doesn't get more tragic than than old Annie. I just, I I, I feel like there isn't um, a lot of... Anakin doesn't really hear much from saw no after that no no they don't connect again that was written afterwards yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> but you're right there's absolutely like a common thread between the two of them they both had strong convictions that they went about in an extremely violent and direct way and paid the price i mean fuck and they both have committed horrible acts i mean <laughs> saw abandoned a child he was entrusted to care for with jenner so anakin <laughs> 
I mean, do we even need to list the sins of Anakin Skywalker? I mean, he slaughtered a room full of children for one. I mean, that's we can just focus on that one for now. God. Well, I've got two things to, to bring the build, which is, you know, just a couple talents. Yeah. Um, and then I also have a, uh, a the encounter design checklist um, that I discovered about a year ago, written by the old uh, D20 Radio Order 66 podcast guys. I can't remember if this was originally coined by GM Dave or GM Chris, but um, this is a, a piece of work that they that they uh, kind of developed like oh man they like had it like on the fly and then they came back the next week with like a more like orderly uh, a bit of it there's also a, a space combat edition one if you'd like to hear about that as well um but this is the encounter design checklist and i have like gosh i, I i'm sure this was like in its original iteration there was less bullet points here so some of these are kind of minor some of these are kind of major so the encounter design checklist is kind of just meant to guide you to a, a perfect-ish encounter. Things that you can do in Swissy that that help you along the way. Because as you know, there isn't a whole lot of help along the way in building an encounter in Saga Edition. Is this more like a making an encounter feel more Star Wars? Or is this about making an encounter, an encounter more challenging? Or something that isn't boring? Or what? I think it's both. I, I think both. it's more interesting encounters, more challenging encounters, and ultimately more, more Star Wars encounters. There we go. So... First off, there's the rule of six. The rule of six means that all enemies you place, no matter how many, they should all be about six squares apart. Uh, this limits the chances of more than one stormtrooper getting knocked out by a single frag grenade, um, which, you know, if you want your players to do that, that's one thing. But if you want a nice, challenging encounter, it's good to space your enemies apart. You're giving me a look there. Well, so why? <laughs> why six <laughs> squares apart? That's a great question. So six squares is obviously about the average movement for each of your guys. Uh, your players, nine hems out of ten, are going to move their six squares up to the nearest enemy and either strike with their melee weapon or move six or less squares to the nearest cover and fire at, at the next stormtrooper. Um, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. Yes. Oh, okay, so when you put it in perspective as to make, you don't, you don't want the first round of combat to be three movements and exactly. then nothing. The rule like, of six makes your enemies more resistant against area of effects, as well as, you know, the, the meat face melee guy running in there and knocking them all down in one turn. So the, the reason I was confused was mm -hmm. I, we recently did a combat that I ran yeah. where it was an alley and you were halfway I love through. That. It's, I, I'm I love so proud encounter. of that combat. So uh, Steven's character, Dav, uh, his father was being held hostage in the alley by a couple of uh, the Lady Proxima's little, uh, what are they called? The white, 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 white worms. worms. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say white snakes, but that's not yeah. <laughs> the white worms. And so there's, I've got hit two in the alley with the dad. And then another one comes up from a side street as the players go to approach with some of the dogs that they have and they, mm -hmm. that you see in solo. And I was just like, that's so the rule of six kind of, I was like, but I've got like a pincer maneuver thing going on here. So that rule of six kind of didn't make sense in my mind. But now that you mentioned it, having it relate to, from the players. Like, yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> and obviously, you know, I should have clarified, these aren't all rules that need be in every encounter you design. Obviously what you described is awesome. A, a kind of a surprise dark alleyway where the players are surrounded without really knowing it. That's so fucking cool. If the rule six doesn't make sense for the encounter you envision, obviously don't even try it. Um, but yes, rule six, resistant to AOEs, generally still in the same range to uh, buff each other. And you know, just far enough away to where your players aren't going to be able to knock them out and crunch them all in one round. Um, the next point on the encounter design checklist is a large area. Um, I find myself 
shying away from large areas. I don't really know why. Sometimes my first draft of an encounter map kind of has like, I'm going to use it like MMO scale, you know, like big wide hallways <laughs> and huge big ditches and, you know, everything kind of looks like an MMO starting area. And that's okay. I've found um, you can move a lot in this system. Yeah. And the system's interesting when everyone's moving around a lot. We know that well. So having a big area, like, don't be afraid to go, like, I don't know, 40 squares by 40 squares. I found that that keeps combat really interesting and gives the NPCs a fighting chance it's, as well. It's really the enemies, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. NPCs. NPCs, enemies. Oh, I guess they yeah. are NPCs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also really just what you do with them. Exactly. Like, you can use a big map, but if it's just, like, desert tattooing, yeah. uh, one one cactus yeah. like, no, gunfight. Like... We'll get into that further down the list here. There, there's you, you do need to fill that space with something. You did a great encounter in a hangar that was fucking huge, but there was a lot happening in that hangar. There was that control room that you had to get up to to actually do shit. There was, like, at least one, maybe two cargo elevators. Yes. There was TIE fighters. There was boxes. We had an objective on that encounter that we had to get these um, carts pushed across the hangar bay. Um, it wasn't just about clearing the room. Very, very cool. That's what I like. You know, Star Wars is cool when you can do things, like we talked about last time, like huge swaths of enemies just taking them out. Yeah. Like, that's fun. But I think if you're doing sort of a smaller scale, like not, you know, no Jedi in the party, for yeah. example, yeah. that's less attainable. And you want to do something more, like, um, more not like guerrilla warfare, but something yeah. that the, where the objective isn't just kill everyone and, and you know, you're, fun after, you're fine afterwards. Yeah. And it's, you know, you know, many Star Wars scenes, the characters in Star Wars aren't bloodthirsty maniacs looking to clear the room of stormtroopers. <laughs> they usually have to get the Death Star plans, or Obi-Wan. Or, or get out of the room yeah, of stormtroopers. Yeah, or get out, yeah, no, it's all about, Star Wars is always about getting the thing, the MacGuffin, and bailing. You know, very rarely do we have any scenes. Rogue One is an exception where the goal of that character is to clear the room of, of all baddies. <laughs> Speaking of filling that large area with something, cover. You have to have cover. It's a um, good... Well, the system is made for it. The system is expecting there to be cover there. Um, big mistake I made early on, I never put cover in. What the fuck is cover? You need cover. Uh, the system is very liberal with what can be cover. Have a nice kind of like planter with some cool alien exotic succulents in it. Have a metal crate. Crates, you know? <laughs> hey, crates are the <laughs> bread and butter of the Star Wars universe. Weird crate. What's in the crate? Doesn't fucking matter. It's, it's cover, cover, baby. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Moving cars or anything like that. Yeah. There are great... Um, the Bad Batch has a yes. really good episode yes. where they're chasing uh, Fennec, Shan Fennec, Fennec Shand? 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 Shard? Fennec Shard? Shand? Shen? Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen's character, <laughs> who's going to be in Book of Boba Fett, which I'm super excited I saw for. saw that trailer came out today. It was very good. Uh, and so they're chasing her across several vehicles yeah. to try and get back Omega. And it's such a cool yes. combat. In a universe where flying cars are a thing... Use flying cars. <laughs> yeah. They're cool. Flying cars are awesome. It's fantastic there, advice. There's that. There's a scene in Clone Wars where Grievous and Obi-Wan are going through. It's like a bunch of train, like railway, like cargo movers in like this big space. And it's so cool. You know me. I love a good train encounter. I want to talk about train encounters yes, for a whole train episode encounters. one day. Train encounters are love, so great. Love me train encounters. Uh, hard to pull off, but very worth it. But yeah, there's plenty of good examples of cover in Star Wars. And it's not always just trench warfare no but trench warfare is cool yes it is that's probably my favorite scene in solo to be honest oh yeah uh, 
Well, the train scene. But <laughs> yeah, there's a good train encounter in that movie too. Yeah, but there's the, you know when when Han is were, is a recruit <laughs> mud for trooper. the Empire. I love that. There's that nice unbroken mud. shot of him getting his, his ass <laughs> blown out of the trenches. That was a highlight of the movie for me, at, at least. Very, very funny. <laughs> it's it's also a cool scene. It is. Very cool scene. It's very, um, I don't know, what's the, very textural scene. I can, like, smell that scene. It's, like, wet and muddy. And, and it doesn't have to be, like, a war scene. No. It could be trench warfare. No, In that it case, it was a training exercise, I think. No, no, he was straight up, like, on the front. Oh, he was on Yeah, <laughs> no, that was, like, they were, like, fighting... Um, another good example would probably be the Mandalorian has the scene with the, where they're bringing the village from the ATST. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Such they a do the cool Kurosawa scene. thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's great. You know, people in the trenches and like all the on like the fields, like hiding from these invaders and doing this cool cover thing. Absolutely. <laughs> no, much to be said about cover, and I really like the ideas you have. Yes, get creative with cover. Um, if a metal crate fits into the scene. Baby, you know you're putting a metal crate down there. But really challenge yourself to think about what else could be covered here. Broken down speeder. Um, rocks. Dumpster. Dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Anything. Yeah. Uh, next up, and this kind of ties into cover a little bit, concealment. Um, especially if you've got a sneaky guy in your party, every encounter should have a place to sneak and hide. You know, just like if you have a reptile kept in a cage at home, you need places for them to hide. If you've got a scoundrel with sneak attack... Think of your players as reptiles. Exactly. <laughs> think of your players as little pets you must care for. And hey, if you've got a character that invests in sneak attack and you aren't giving them constant chances to sneak attack, they're going to feel pretty crappy. And when they feel crappy, you're going to feel crappy. Don't be afraid to put a place to hide. This is another thing that you can get really creative with. A crowd. We see a bunch of Star Wars characters hiding in crowds all the time. Anakin and Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones when they're tracking down a uh, uh, Big Zam. Um, <laughs> Zam. Big Zam Wessel. Big Zam Wessel. Um, <laughs> um, hiding in a crowd is cool and fun. Do, do an Assassin's Creed thing with it. Um, dumpsters you can hide in. Um, metal crates you can hide in. If your encounter doesn't account for random vents, put a vent in there. Vents, like, baby. Vents, you know, let's say you're having an encounter on a Star Wars where there's vents. There's many vents in Star Wars. There's HVAC. There's circulation. There's heating. There's cooling. You need to have vents. I didn't realize you were so outspoken about ventilation, Stephen. I thought I, I am was... now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm outspoken about creative encounter design. Because these little details can take your encounter from a 4 out of 10 to an 11 out of 10. Can I bring up an example I used? Please do. I was very proud of, and I'm sure you enjoyed as well, Sandstorm cover yes and I used... oh my god how could i have forgotten <laughs> that encounter was amazing we were doing um it was on roll 20 so yes a lot easier to very much way. easier <laughs> um we had it was a buried half buried ship in the sand and they mm -hmm. were going to salvage it yeah salvage job they took the speeders out there uh turns out the ship was a holy site for tuscan raiders and the sandstorms kicked up and were obscuring tuscan raiders from sight and every so often, one would pop out of the sandstorm and attack a, p a player and then go back into the sandstorm. And they had chances to use uh, perception checks to find these these Tuscan Raiders in the sandstorm. But ultimately, it was a great use of cover because what the players had was it was kind of like the Alamo. They were holding down. Yeah, they were holding down a, a fort and they had a position they were trying to hold. And there was a force on the outside, but they both felt pretty even because of that cover I provided the enemy. That was an excellent example of a super dynamic, pretty much unpredictable from a player's perspective, uh, encounter. Um, we were holed up in this shitty little remains of a ship, Tatooine, blazing hot, 
sandstorms whipping up, you know, the Tusken Raiders coming at us. I had no idea what, I didn't know how many Tusken Raiders there were. I didn't know where they were coming from. It was a really suspenseful moment that was really, really cool. Again, very cinematic. Um, I commend you for that encounter because it was an excellent use of cover. Not a, 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 a concealment, not a use of concealment I'd really ever considered. Um, but something that, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm going to steal and I hope our <laughs> listeners steal as well. You and know? I think the players should player. If you, you as a player should understand that concealment and cover are something you can use to your advantage. We talked about the last, last uh, episode, smoke grenades. Yes. They are very good. They're not yes. very often seen in star Wars. No, they're not, but they're really cool when they are. Absolutely. And they're very useful for players who use like the force or if you know where your enemies are or anything like that. You can use smoke grenades, get concealment for you. And they also give concealment to your enemies, but usually you're planning farther ahead than that. 100%. If you haven't already, talk to your game master about smoke grenades today. Buy smoke grenades. Buy smoke grenades now. 1 800. A smuggler's dozen for smoke grenades, <laughs> which is like 16 or so. Yeah. It's like it changes a little bit every time. Like it's Depending 16. On how many credits you have. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, Go ahead. What's the next point? Next point on the encounter design checklist is difficult terrain. This is another thing you can get really creative with. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a classic guy. I'm simple minded. Muck, mud, water. These are the things I look towards for for difficult terrain. But you know, you can get even more creative. Thick brush, thick brush, like low that. brush. Um, I think about um, what's that planet with the um sentient crystals? Is it Orax? Orax. Um, the surface of that planet, I think, is littered with little sharp rocks. Consider using little sharp rocks as difficult terrain. Or maybe in your encounter, some sort of concussive blast or something else knocked over a bucket full of screws or rivets or things like that. And make that difficult terrain. Or, I just have this idea now. Go ahead. Something where, it's, say it's like a stealthy scenario, mm -hmm. you could make stealth, uh, uh, maybe the flooring that would normally be loud. Not to say literally like eggshells, but yeah. something that would be loud if you walked through it normally. Mm -hmm. It's difficult terrain unless you want to attract attention. And then which ways you can walk for, through it normally, and it would be normal speed, something like that. Absolutely. Um, I would forget to include difficult terrain a lot, which is kind of a bummer, because I think scouts especially have a lot of stuff that works really well with either getting around or dealing with difficult terrain. I know, um, is it the Pathfinder Prestige class where you actually create your own square of difficult terrain and yes, can move I it around? So. That is so cool. I think they may have a talent, or maybe this is a different uh, prestige class. I could totally be wrong here, but there's a talent out there where you can turn difficult terrain into non-difficult terrain and then yes, back again. Yes, like you can, so you can turn difficult terrain into normal terrain and vice versa. And that shit's really cool. 90% sure that's a Pathfinder talent. Could be wrong though. It's scout around the scout Yes, area, in that right. zone. And what I like about, you, you know, you can't blame you for not using it. Yeah. A lot of Star Wars settings are very clean. Yes. And like sterile. Sterile yeah. feeling. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, Sometimes there may be a, like a knocked over bin of screws or something yeah, like that. I just, I'm really proud of that one, by the way. I just thought of it. Or like a, a droid with an oil leak or anything oh, like that. Oh, that's perfect, Something's yeah. difficult terrain. The gonk droid bleeding out in the, in the concrete. <laughs> Some squashed mouse droids. Oh, that's brutal. Um, <laughs> I wrote down this one, but I wish I wrote down a little bit more. Um, doors. Um, actually, I do remember more about doors. <laughs> Every encounter you build should have a door or some form of egress. Let me tell you why. Two reasons. One, it's realistic. It's a bit more easy, I think, to visualize a room with multiple egresses. 
doors. Um, the second reason, this is the bigger one. If an encounter is going a little too well in the player's favor, maybe you wanted to present a bigger challenge and the dice said that wasn't going to happen. Buddy, more stormtroopers are charging right through that door. <laughs> that happens all the time in Star Wars. Absolutely. And Which is probably why most of the time people are trying to leave. <laughs> yes, exactly. It also, on the other side of things, if things are going too difficult for your players than you may hope for, or maybe even they hope for, they can book it out of there. These doors are insurance in case an encounter isn't going the way you'd hoped. One way or another. If it's too hard, book them out of there. Too and easy? More stormtroopers coming through. And another thing that we talked about earlier, what I used in my um, my little hangar encounter. Yeah. Elevators. Yes. We see those in Star Wars oh, probably more than you Yeah, a lot of <laughs> elevators in the Star Wars universe now that you think, you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of elevators, and they'd like to use them, you know, I think a good example series finale of clone wars which you haven't seen i, I have not actually seen but them. there's a very good there's a lot of because it's good elevator scene good ele- well it's more like you know the republic cruisers yes they have that sort of centered well there that opens up oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 those ship things all go down like they're all elevated yeah 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 elevators for um sort of maintenance or whatever absolutely but it's a great it, it's such a good scene you should I can't wait for you to see it. I see just it. start. I just finished the first episode of that arc. I got it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So you're close to yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. So next week we'll be able to talk about it. Yeah. But it's just, you know, elevator goes up and what do you expect to be on it? More stormtroopers, more droids, more clones, whatever the fits the situation. Yeah. More pirates. Or a bomb. A bomb. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> such a good, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. A whole ass ATST. Like, you could put anything on that elevator, baby. Elevators, doors, just things that provide a sense of surprise yes. to the encounter or to the players players can use doors as well yeah they can plan accordingly like let's say you have a slicer who's hacked into the surveillance for the next few rooms and you're like okay so we know what's going to go on here here and here we've got this door we're ready at the door i'm gonna throw a grenade through bring that concealment back in exactly. something like that and then you have you you know you got to give the players the tools and mm-hmm. they will ultimately take them and run with them and do what they can with them yes. but door it's i think ultimately the doors are great because ultimately they're more realistic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what, what was next on that on that list there? Next on the encounter design checklist, and you're gonna love this one: hazards. Uh, Saga edition rife with awesome hazards. Uh, unknown regions source book, especially so many beautiful hazards, and not even shit you'd really expect. Like for urban environments, there's a crowd hazard, like a, a fleeing crowd hazard, like you got to risk getting trampled. Um, Busted pipes, spewing flammable gas. Um, radiation. Radiation. Uh, poisonous plants. Um, dear God, the list goes on and on. Um, if you're familiar with Saga Edition, you know there's a bunch of hazards. They're meant to be sprinkled into encounters. Some of them can be encounters all on their own. Uh, black hole is a good CL20 uh, a hazard. <laughs> we know that one well. There's the classic, there's a pit. You have to get over the pit. Yep. In order to get to your destination. It's a very good early level player hazard. Something yep. like that. You know, put a hidden spike trap in your next encounter. Don't tell anyone it's there. Have your your scoundrel just running away from the enemy, and he falls right into a hidden spike trap. <laughs> what could, what's the worst that could happen? Sure, you're saying you didn't see that coming. No well, hazards are just another way to keep things cinematic and very very dynamic. I think I like well. So a good example in Star Wars of a hazard, the New Hope. The the trash compactor. Yes. That's a hazard. That is also in the core rule book and is a great example of a hazard. Great example of a whole encounter built around a hazard, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I've told you this 
in the past. I think we'll probably do an episode about it. Mm-hmm. But the skill, not skill challenges. What are they called? The where you do an alternate to encounters that isn't combat. Those are skill challenges. Oh, baby. Skill challenges. Yeah, those are skill challenges. So skill challenges, and I was I, I've mentioned this in the past to Steven at least. There are so many sections in the Star Wars movies where it's like that could be a skill challenge. Yeah, it, and and you it's did an great. excellent pod racing skill challenge. Yes, that was a great time. That's like, what I would use it for. I was thinking about that yesterday. Um, yeah, there's so many scenes that don't really need to be a traditional combat that skill challenges, which I think were introduced in Galaxy at War. It's not trivia hour, so who knows? You can just search it on the on the wiki. <laughs> it's on the wiki. It's not 2009. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, there's skill challenges are fantastic and absolutely worth mentioning for this encounter design checklist. Um, that actually was the next entry oh, really? <laughs> on the encounter design checklist with skill challenges. So yeah, not only just have a computer terminal for your slicer character to hack into during the combat, like definitely do that. Have it hooked up to, I don't know, an airlock, you know, an automated turret. Turret? turret droid security droid security anything like if you've played knights of the old republic you know exactly what some nice slicing can do um can totally change the time i saw a um on the reddit i saw a rpg horror story i don't know if it was on the saga edition subreddit but it was definitely something where like they were doing a pod race but only the pilot character was doing anything yes and everyone else was not having a good time but the thing about that is Stuff like that where it feels like it's a focus on one player, just turn into a skill challenge and give the other players freedom to do whatever they want. Absolutely. It's a collaborative storytelling for a reason. Yeah. We included things like uh, one of the players hacked into the other pod racers, like mapping. Like, yeah. Just, just And whatever. it doesn't even have to be that complicated. I think another player straight up just spent several turns just talking shit. yeah to the enemy pod racers and you know that that's amazing you know that's that that's so cool and just so different um you know skills are there to be used you'll you'll have players in your party inevitably that are more focused on skills than combat and you should make them feel as powerful as the jedi in the party and let's don't get it wrong though however the system does make certain skill heavy classes very useful in combat like and Nobles and like scoundrels, scoundrels, baby, they they fuck shit up constantly. And if you give them opportunities to really sink their teeth into their character choices, oh my god, people are going to be praising you as the best GM they've ever met. <laughs> um, and the, the last but certainly not least on the encounter design checklist, uh, elevation. A kind of an afterthought, especially when I design an encounter. Um, if you can mix things up, add another level. Add two more levels. Make it a triple layer cake. Um, this is quintessential Star Wars. Some of the most interesting scenes were interesting because of elevation. Hello uh, there. That exactly, scene exactly. <laughs> exactly. What what would that scene be if Obi Wan didn't jump? Yes. No. That that's easily one of the best scenes in that movie. Great movie. But holy shit, Obi Wan Kenobi just jumping down, being like, "Huh? How am I going to get out of this one?" Oh, I know. <laughs> jumping into the fray. Absolutely. Obi Wan again. Phantom Menace. Duel of the Fates with him. Qui Gon Jinn against Darth Maul. I think Obi-Wan gets, like, kicked in the chest or something and falls, falls like, two level. levels. Yeah. yeah, it's so great. That shit's so cool. Use that, you know. And there's more places to use that than you'd expect. Like, of warehouses course. usually have a second floor where there's, like, a, a overseer office or something like that. Every warehouse I run, there's catwalks. Catwalks, yes. 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 Great. Yeah. And, you know, you, every hangar usually has a catwalk or something like that. Yep. Floating TIE fighters or anything like that. Everything. It's, it's more useful than you'd expect. There's a lot of good scenes. 
Alphabet Squadron has a really good scene where it's uh, like a city that has rooftops. Yes. And there's a lot of good like gunfights and stuff like that. That yes. involves, you know, cover and elevation and stuff. Diving like. between buildings, Absolutely. jumping off of buildings. Love that stuff. And listen, I'm going to be honest. The Wookiee grappler in your party wants to throw a stormtrooper off of a balcony. <laughs> and, like, I'm dead serious. Every, at least one player in your party wants to punt something off of, of someone off of something. Guaranteed. And there are items that make elevation more accessible and useful to players. The grapple gun yes. is probably one of my favorite. Ascension gun? Ascension gun. That, that is yeah. one of the best items in the game, in my opinion. I love the ascension gun. So Jetpack, another no-brainer for a character who wants to take Magnet advantage of elevation. for droid yes. systems, or, or I think armor also has something similar. I, like I think so, boots. too, yeah. Very useful. Mm-hmm. And there's just, like reward players for thinking creatively and allow freedom for elevations and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. This, this happens nine times out of 10 where a player will be like, Oh, can, can I get up there to that next level? I didn't think that this encounter had a next level, but you bet your ass. (laughs) I'm saying yes, of course. Yes. Get on up there to that balcony. How are you going to do it? Tell me. Yeah, exactly. Done. You got it. Awesome. Great. Absolutely. You know, a lot of this, the encounter design checklist is, you know, a great thing to, to work off, but listen to your players. Don't be afraid to make this collaborative storytelling. If a player sees something that you don't in the room, it's there. Bingo. Guaranteed. Anything else on that checklist? That's the whole checklist. So just as a quick review, the rule of six, large areas, cover, and concealment. Difficult terrain? Get creative with these. Doors, hazards, skills checks, and elevation. And I think there should be... That's nine, yeah. yeah. But I think a tenth one on there could be variety in enemies. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Three B1 battle droids? Okay. Two B1 battle droids and a droid commander? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially, or not even, like, actually changing the enemies, changing the armaments of those enemies. Yes. Stormtrooper recruits are CL0. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Give them a turret or anything like that. E-Web. E-web, I love throwing an E-Web in there. That makes the encounter much more much more challenging and fun. Absolutely. And you if know, you throw in an Imperial officer behind that, that E-Web as well, bro, that E-Web operator has an extra standard action because of so a, an officer talent. It's like, so great. Just by making enemies diverse, you're making encounters more difficult and ultimately taking the load off of you because I always dress like, oh my god, okay, I need five stormtroopers and... <laughs> three battle droids to make this encounter perfectly balanced, but you'll probably achieve a more potent, you know, difficulty if you just mix it up, you know, make it a fucking fruit salad, throw everything in there. So, so the officer, officers are what, CL9, six, five or six? They're high, they're definitely higher, they're 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 not low level. No, they're not. But you can make low level encounters more challenging without it being just more enemies. Absolutely. You know, difference in enemies, we've got the white worms and also their hounds yes. we've got i had an encounter where it was a couple like pirates and one of them had a speeder with on the back they were towing a turret yes and that's yes awesome absolutely and you give players and let players use the turret <laughs> yeah let players use the turret let if, players steal the speeder let players blow up both of them <laughs> absolutely if a player takes out the enemy with a rocket launcher let the player use the rocket launcher now, they're probably not trained, no. so that's a thing, but it's definitely more fun for them and more memorable overall, and it's going to make for a more fun encounter. And even if, let's say, man, um, 
maybe the encounter for whatever reason it's not appropriate to have a bunch of different dudes at least at least at least mix up their combat styles have some ranged brutes have some meat faced thugs with with like tire irons ready, ready to just just absolutely go ham like mixing up the types of weapons they're using is ultimately what's most important here i think and another thing i like that i don't see very often in maybe not in tabletop games in general mm-hmm. but multiple sides of an encounter i think i had one once where it was the bartender who was who had the information that the players needed mm-hmm. there was the local security and there was a drunk in yes. the bar yes and these they, they're not on the same side per se but no. they're all part of the encounter yes even especially if the the drunk gets up and tries to throw hands with, with the clone trooper absolutely absolutely <laughs> i and it's great and i like to think that you can do stuff like that and we'll probably have way more episodes about encounter building. Of course. I can list just off the top of my head, like different phases of encounters. And I can give you clear examples of things that we're doing a whole do episode that. on training. Encounters. <laughs> I, I can talk about train encounters until the sun goes down. We absolutely will. At this time though, I'd like to kind of shift gears a little bit. Just another, I know we did it at the beginning, but thank you for listening. My, this, my goodness. This has been the feedback's incredible. And Especially on Reddit, because they're giving us the most feedback so mm-hmm. far. And I know the, the Discord is very, you know, they listen oh, yeah. to it, and I like that. Yeah, I appreciate they like that it. as well. But where people can support us, we've got the Twitter. I've got the dark at Dark Times SWSE on Twitter, and I reply on there, and you can see Steven on there probably eventually. Yeah. And we've got the the Reddit for sure. We're going to post every new episode's going to go up on the subreddit. Right up on the subreddit for there. sure. And Steven replies on there also. Mm-hmm. We have more ways for you to contact us. There's the email I have set up. It's on the Twitter as well. It's darktimesswse at gmail. Send us your questions, anything like that. Send us hate mail. Yeah, no, <laughs> send, send us hate mail. And hey, you know, if we're just two fans of Star Wars Saga Edition, we're experienced, we're far from seasoned. Um, yeah. A lot of people out there, you've been playing this game, you know, 10, 15 years. We would love to hear from you. If you think we're dead wrong, we'd love to hear from you. Like, I want this, Sam, maybe I want to talk to you about this a little bit more, but I very much want this to be a community-oriented podcast. Oh, absolutely. I want it to be their podcast as much as it is our podcast. This is everyone's podcast. 100%. And yeah. that's why, you know, that's why I'm bringing up the email. Mm-hmm. If you want us to say something that you think need we need to hear or needs to be said, yeah, send it to us. We'll definitely talk about it. We'll bring it up. Also, if you could, I know it's kind of a, since we're a new podcast kind of thing, it feels kind of preachy at this point but you can give us reviews on itunes yes if you give us reviews there or if you do with the patreon that i'm kind of setting up we're kind of working on that too we'll give you shout outs on the podcast Absolutely. stuff like that and also shout outs just for being cool oh you know? <laughs> yeah of course and something i want to discuss with you a little further you know we can talk about this more but especially you know if, if these conversations we have on the subreddit through email whatever it may be you know maybe even getting people on the podcast to talk about you know their ideas over like a discord call or something I would love that. I think that would be so cool if we can reach that level of, of just community. Absolutely. Guests are, you know, if you're interested yeah. and you're not a bad person. <laughs> yeah. If you're, you know, agreeable and friendly and, and willing to talk on the air, then then absolutely. We would love to have you. Totally. Alternatively, you know, you can always reach us through nonverbal ways Yep. and get on the show that way. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to use that time for a little break just to kind of split up the halves of the podcast and then I sprinkle in a little bit of a the promote self-promotion shameless self-promotion here of and course. there we've got uh we're in the second half now mm-hmm. even yeah. and i believe you brought a build 
Another build. I did bring from a build. Steven Arsenal. Uh, the Steven Arsenal, indeed. Um, less of a build. Like I was talking about you right before we hit record. More of a loose concept. Yeah, I was build. like, I was like, oh, I thought this was a build, but really it's like two talents and a convenient species. Well, choice. he's like level eight? Nine? Level seven? So six. Right. Level seven is right where you get into the prestige classes. It's okay that it's not yeah. a quote unquote build. So this was a character we played for our, our good friend set up a campaign that was uh, kind of a crime oriented story. Uh, uh, getting getting specialists together for a job. Um, I played a lithe and, um, I, you know, I was kind of trying to play him like kind of a Spike Spiegel type of guy, kind of laid back. If I could give you two characters to describe how this character feels in my head, yeah. it's Spike Spiegel and the Goblin King. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really appreciate that because that's absolutely what I was going for. He was, you know, quite a bit more flamboyant than Spike, I think, but he was... He was a knife guy through and through. This guy was all about his knives. His name was Quince, not related to the fruit of the same name, but he was a Nagai, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah, it's uh, pronounced. Uh, N-A-G-A-I. Um, the Nagai have special knives that they use. They have a deep cultural connection to these knives, and like many other species, they gain proficiency in them from the get-go. Um, very cool serrated knives that have a chance to deal bleed damage if you exceed not just the reflex, but also their fortitude. I don't think I ever actually managed to do that during this whole adventure. But it's but, a cool... But it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Um, and so I was thinking about, okay, like, you know, what What do I want? What What do I want this this Quince guy to be like? You know, I kind of... I think I was, like, in a little bit of, like, thinking about, like, a Joker thing. Like, oh, I got these scars. <laughs> like that. So um, I, I stumbled across the smuggling talent tree. And um, I, I love this talent tree a lot actually it's from the force unleashed campaign guide so you already know it's going to be a banger i'm a big fan of that of that supplement i think there's a lot of cool stuff in it, it adds a lot well the force unleashed adds a lot to star wars that we like, get before absolutely i hate the cover though that cover <laughs> is so bad um we have all these sick original artwork covers for all the books and then this one is just galen merrick star killer whatever his name is just kind of standing there, and sure. Well, cool. don't worry. Hey, the Clone Wars campaign guide is just a bunch of clones, also <laughs> in the Clone Wars. <laughs> but at style. least there's more going on there than just Starkiller. Anyway, um, the first talent I want to highlight on this uh, on this build is called the Art of Concealment. The text reads: Some smugglers are adept at hiding contraband and weapons, even on their person. When making a stealth check to conceal an item, you can take ten, even under pressure. Additionally, you can conceal an item as a swift action. Now, holy tits, Sam. You telling me I can take 10 as a swift action to conceal a weapon during combat? That's really good. Maybe that's a creative reading. Because, you know, under pressure can, you know, doom, 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 doom. <laughs> that can mean anything. But to me, as a game master, as a player, that means during combat. A lot of other places in the system, they use like, oh, you can't take 10 under pressure or duress. To me, that means combat. I, I'm pretty sure that's explicitly what it means. Yeah, like, like combat is pressure. Yeah, that's Absolutely. a lot of pressure. So, yeah, something about just being able to tuck a knife away on my person during combat, very cool. I'll get into why that's sick later. The next talent that caught my attention from this tree, this whole tree is great, but I'm just going to highlight the, the talents that caught my attention for this build. Uh, hidden weapons. If you draw a concealed weapon, and before the end of the same round, make an attack against a target that failed to notice the item, Target is considered flat-footed against you. You can draw a concealed item or a stowed item as a moved action. But here's the kicker. Additionally, if you have the quick draw feet, you can reduce this to a swift action. So, gosh bagosh, you know, 
I now you're telling me with these two talents and the prerequisites, I can conceal a knife and also draw that same knife as a swift action each in combat. You've got to be kidding me! And, no way. And Stephen, now that those that's cool. I, I yeah. take my knife, I hide it, I bring my knife back out, I stab yeah. you with yeah. it. Why would I hide my knife again, Stephen? Why would you hide your knife? Well, because you couldn't bring weapons into the hut negotiations. But why would I hide it in combat? Sorry. Oh, <laughs> cut that. I thought we were going a different direction. No. <laughs> why would I hide it in combat? Because there's an excellent little feat called knife trick. Loading. There we go. So this is a costly feat. Quite a bit, uh, quite a few prerequisites here. Lightning draw, which we can get into a little bit later, maybe, and quick draw. And you also must be trained in stealth. The effect of knife trick is, if you have a concealed weapon, you threaten squares, as though armed with a melee weapon. When you can make an attack of opportunity, you can draw a weapon you have successfully concealed on your person and make a single attack against the target. If you choose to not to draw your concealed weapon and attack with it, you cannot make the attack of opportunity unless you would otherwise normally be able to do so. So, hey, it's me, Quince. I got my knife tucked away in my coat. Some goober who thinks I'm unarmed because he failed the stealth DC to detect my concealed <laughs> weapon thinks he can sneak past me without any trouble. Guess what? Nope. <laughs> knife in his neck instantly. And, and then, guess what? Knife's out. Stab. Swift action on my next turn to put it right back where it belongs. I like, and it's just such a cool, you know, get the bleed damage on there and everything like yep, that. Yep, yep, The whole build in general, and I believe uh, the Nagai give you like a, it's either a bonus to dex and um, charisma. I believe so, which is, you know, that's your ideal scoundrel right there. And they also give you, they give you a bonus to reflex defense as well. This is starting to sound pretty stacked, so now I want to check. Oh, yes. All Nagai receive a plus two bonus to their dex and charisma and a minus two penalty to their constitution. Uh, they also get a plus two species bonus on their reflex defense. Plus two species bonus on reflex. What the fuck? You know, like, this is this is your scoundrel right here. It's so, it is great. It's so, it's so good. It's like, there's not, I, I've done builds where I'm trying to get the best reflex defense, best dex, stuff like that. Absolutely. I think the Nagai are the only one that give you plus two to reflex. That I can think of, yeah. And and with that plus two decks on top of it, that's huge. That's massive. That's like if you do a point by, you can get a yeah. plus five decks and also maybe plus four charisma and you know plus two on top of that with the reflex bonus. That's going to add up really quick. Um, you're going to have a very tricksy, very lithe, very fast, dangerous combatant here pretty quick. Um, there's also another talent, take it back to the smuggler's talent tree. This isn't a talent I was ultimately able to choose because of the level of the adventure, but definitely something I think would be a good fit with this character. Um, it's called surprise strike. And you know, this talent immediately just, it's one of those talents where you already like can see the scene in your mind's eye where this would be useful. Sometimes a smuggler has to fight his way out of a bad situation. If you fail any deception check to convey deceptive information, you can initiate combat and make a single unarmed strike as a free action in the surprise round or with a melee or ranged weapon if you have the quick draw feat. All other combatants are considered surprised even if they are aware of you. 
And I like surprise round in Swiss. I love surprise round in Swiss because it's just it's such a you make a point of yes. to do it, and I love it. So I only mentioned it because my one of my characters I played Pulse was a clone trooper. Yes, uh, skill focus initiative. Yep, uh, unarmed ma- like unarmed. Uh, what's it called? Martial arts three. Yes, I think. Yes. So I, there was a moment where he just punched someone, <laughs> and that was how he started combat. He punched yep. someone, and then he was first in the initiative. So he grabbed his gun and shot them. <laughs> and I I love it because normally on armed attacks, you do like one damage unless you take the martial arts. Uh, yeah, it's it's like one D4, I think, for medium it's creatures. no dice at all. It's just no one. No way. I'm I don't believe sure. you. It's a D4 after you take um, martial no, arts. No, it ain't. <laughs> I'm giving you crap before anyone else online can. That is, that is oh, dead. Oh, you're right. It's yep. one D4. We'll yep. cut it. We'll cut it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a martial arts feats increase the dive damage, which is really great. Which is really great, really good. So martial arts three gets a d ten. Yeah. So his punches, if he crits, deal like three d ten or something like. that. I think I had some other stuff that made masters of terror side gives you additional. Yes, dive damage, yes, it does. Which really cool. <laughs> Excellent legacy for terrorist side <laughs> yeah, to have. <laughs> Just a shitty fighting game ends up being one of the best unarmed talents you can take in Swissy. Absolutely. So, like, on a crit, 40 10, and that's awesome on the surprise round. No, I, like, and what better way to, you know, I think everyone who's played a, a, a fisty character just loves starting combat by just absolutely beating a guy's face in. Like, what a <laughs> hell of a surprise round, seriously. It makes for memorable moments when you punch the Sith demon uh, who's been alive for thousands of years. Absolutely. And... <laughs> absolutely. Shit will never forget. Um, so yeah, that was that was the build. That was Quince, like I said. Less of a build, more three talents and a, and a feat. But hey, there's a lot to work with there. Um, in your campaign, concealing an item can be very useful. Um, if the party's permitted into an area where weapons must be checked at the door or otherwise cast away for maybe negotiations with the crime lord or internment with the galactic empire or if they've been captured by the empire hiding weapons like that it's it's great it gives your players a fighting chance yeah to, to keep to help them feel more secure about their position and the way things are going absolutely versus being like you don't have any weapons like that's not fun as a dm and that's just like being a scoundrel player you know being the only guy in the room with a weapon. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I'd love to talk more about Quince and his friends who are very much also great builds. We'll probably get Oh yeah. Oh the... no, it's actually worth bringing up um Quince's Quince's buddy. Quince's buddy. Well, so Quince was the melee. He didn't do a lot of shooting. No, he did not. He had a holdout pistol, but I think I only used it in a few instances. I can't even recall. Probably once or twice. I actually I got like at the very last like combat of that adventure, I pulled out like two really great crits it was like the most damage i had (laughs) most damage i dealt all the whole campaign was with that holdout pistol even though i was not spec for it in the slightest um but yeah we got to talk about his uh his ratty friend so he's got a what what is screeth is his name but what was his species called they're called a renat renats yes not something like rattans or some shit like that yeah i almost don't want to talk about him with we're not gonna yeah we're not player there it was the idea that you know quince is a good build Mm-hmm. But it only works. I mean, not that it only works. He was part of a whole. It was yeah. You have to mm-hmm. have sort of a group effort to make combats more entertaining and stuff like that. Yes. And Quince was. You'd say Quince was fun to play. So <laughs> Obviously, fun to play. Fun to role play. Even though I think I dealt maybe an average of like 
10 damage every turn or something like that. He acted like he dealt 100 he damage. He acted like, yeah, he was flipping his knife all over the place, dude. He was doing crazy shit, and that was fun. I just, Quince was intimidating, yes. and that was the point. <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's not about the big damage dealing numbers no, sometimes. No. It's about looking the coolest <laughs> one doing it. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Well, Stephen, that about wraps up our second episode. How do you feel? Right. I feel great, Sam. I feel like I could do this until I die. <laughs> ominous and sha- ominous and foreshadowing. But Thank no, you. I let, let me tell you, I was excited to do this um, before we had the response we did, and now I'm thrilled because now I feel like I don't know. There's like a little bit more purpose to the whole thing. Um, I'm it's ex- not just for us. It's now. not just for us, which I'm totally fine with it being just for us, but. I'm happy to do this with you, and I'm happy to do this with with our listeners out there. And I I just think this is going to be a great great thing. I'm really I'm really enjoying taking it one episode at a time and just kind of letting it evolve, letting it grow into into what I know is going to be a great thing. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Dark Times or the Dark the Dark Times. We're we're the Dark Times. What's the name of our podcast? <laughs> thank we're you the for, Dark Times. Thank you for listening to the Dark Times. It is hosted by me, Sam, and and my friend here, Stephen. Uh, you can see Steven at Zenisloth on Twitter and me at Samurai Flamenco on Twitter. Or you can follow the Dark Times at Dark Times SWSE on Twitter. Or you can reach out to us on the Discord, on Reddit, anywhere like that. Uh, I produce and edit the show. Steven's my co-host. And do you have another Star Wars quote for us? Please? Oh, shoot. I totally did have one. Um... I cannot think of any good ones. I just like I'm just think I just hear Yoda in my head like begun the Clone Wars house. Like um I would love to not do a Yoda one. It can be a Yoda one, that's fine. No. I think my you know what's so funny is I think my favorite Star Wars quote or one of them that has been absolutely destroyed by online presence. Rebellions are built on hope. And that's a great quote from that Rogue is a One. Good, that and is I was like one. Did someone say that in the original trilogy? No, it's just an allu- an homage to the yeah. title of the first of the first uh, movie. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I got I got my my Star Wars quote for the okay, week. Okay, yeah, go for it's it. It's also from Rogue One. Um, <laughs> it's it's when Jin comes back to the the Rebel Alliance with the plan to to go fight on Scarif, and there's that one guy in the back off screen. What is she proposing? <laughs> that's the quote. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite line in that whole movie. <laughs> Because it's so funny, like the crowd's finally died down. They're gonna hear her out, and then just what is she proposing? Like it's great. Go back and watch it because it's. Uh, I it's love. Awesome. I, I oh god, that movie's great. I love yeah, that it movie. is. It's it's butter all the way through. The pacing. When I first saw it, I thought the pacing at first was a little wonky because you you bolt between like six planets in thirty minutes, which whatever, it's fine. But like, I remember the first half of the movie being a little awkward for me the first watch, like first couple times through, but then. You know, by the time the the group is formed, oh, the movie is butter. The strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. That's our quote. That's for this our week. quote for the week. <laughs> Thanks Fantastic. for listening. Yes, have a good night, everyone. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Great.
right. For Perfect some reason, timing. I thought you were going to bring up like uh, uh what's his name? Salacious B. Crumb? No, Max. We like a Max Weibo song or something like that. When oh, you're going, like, <laughs> those don't. Oh, oh, that that was um. What you're doing there? That's um. <laughs> That's seagulls. That's seagulls, which is like not in Star Wars, but it might as well be if you ask me. Um, right. Yeah, I totally thought of a great quote in the shower last night, and gone. You'll find it next week. We'll find it. Write it down week. or something. Yeah, Sam, thank you so much for all of this. I had a great. Me too, buddy. 